Good morning. Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. Last week we started a series of messages based on Charles Wesley's best-known hymn, Old Four Thousand Tongues to Sing. And we talked about camp meeting. Often this time of the year in the church, we call this camp meeting season. It's not the same, really. Thank goodness there are no sawdust on the floor. There are no bugs in the air and all the other things you put up with at camp meeting. But it's a great tradition, and it still lingers. And some of you may have been a part of camp meeting in your growing up days. Maybe your family had, they call them tents. They're really like little shacks or little cabin. And the real spiritual folks would never ever air condition one of those places you had to suffer in the heat with the snakes and the bugs and everything else and when you gathered to worship and they called it the tabernacle the outside area of worship with just a roof on it but no sides and folks stayed cool with the funeral home fans or if it was an election year maybe some of the politicians had left fans in the pews so you could cool yourself down folks started out their lives in camp meeting a lot of time. There are couples married 50, 60, 70 years who first met under the shade of a tree at camp meeting years ago and who have spent every summer, some of every summer, in those places of worship, building memories and, and looking to the days to come. A tabernacle, a camp meeting, a form of proclamation, a way of sharing the gospel back in a day that was in many ways different from this day. My gracious master and my God, like the first stanza of this grand old hymn, this one begins with a prayer. Last week we talked about oh for a thousand tongues to sing and for just a moment thought about the size of our God, the grandeur of our God, the power of our God. And if we each had a thousand tongues to sing God's praises, God's power, God's love, we would still need more. That would still not be enough. And for today, a second stanza begins with a prayer as well. A plea for help in sharing the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad, the honors, the glories of God's name. A plea for help in sharing the gospel. Even someone with the intellect, and the intelligence and the energy of a Charles Wesley knew that he needed help. And telling this story of Jesus Christ 
It's not something we are equipped or empowered to do on our own. We need one another to share this gospel, and certainly we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The implications are too great to think that we could do it on our own. And our scripture lesson for today, the one that was read just a moment ago in the book of Acts, it's post-resurrection, but pre-ascension, that time when Jesus was with his apostles, his friends, for just a little while longer, preparing them for the time when he would no longer be there, and telling them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, even in God-forsaken Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. You'll share this good news. You'll tell this story that has changed your life. That's in Acts chapter 1. And then, of course, Acts chapter 2 is that famous Pentecost account, that story that we know so well. In his book, Living the Easter Faith, Dr. Gordon Thompson, and some of you may remember Gordon Thompson, a pastor in our conference for a while, a district superintendent, a preacher, professor at the Candler School of Theology while I was there, someone who impacted my life. And I crossed paths with him a few times, even after I had graduated. And he wrote in that book about our assistance needed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, about being empowered. And what happened at Pentecost, he said, was empowerment for mission, to get God's work done in this world. The people at Pentecost were filled with the Spirit. They were given inspired all inspired tongues and speech, and there was awe, and there was amazement everywhere. But this event was not intended, never intended to be an event unto itself. But the power of Pentecost was to empower us, to assist us in our proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ in a world that is sometimes hostile and hate-filled and slow to hear, slow to act. These folks were given power who were gathered there to be witnesses to the entire world, couldn't do it on their own. So many times we, we get into that mindset. We're going to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, even if somebody else had to make the boots, and we're going to get out there and we're going to get it done ourselves. And that virus infects the church sometimes, and we cannot do it in our own strength. It's not a solo kind of venture. It was through the witness of Christians that the world would come to know and believe in Jesus Christ. Not just one person. All of us sharing that load and seeking that power. So we're given the presence of the Spirit not for ecstasy. It's not a special privilege. It's not so that we receive gifts of the Spirit that we can brag about and boast about and feel like we're a little better than others. We are channels of the Spirit, not reservoirs. We are mediums of the Spirit. We're not containers to keep it all. We are witnesses of the Spirit, not possessors of the Spirit. All right, I've got it. I'm going to be all right. I've got what I need. You're on your own. Find it for yourself. No, it's the gift what to share with others. Dr. Thompson, whose book I was just mentioning, when he was at Candler and he was teaching preaching in one of his classes, I remember several things he said. But one of the things he said was, when you're no longer nervous about preaching on Sunday morning, then it's time to find something else to do. Uh, and, and he was so right. 
when we think about this task that is ours and how frail we are and how how weak we are and how we need the strength of others if you get to the point where you're no longer nervous then quit and find something else to do well I'm pleased to say that I've not gotten there yet after 44 years I'm still not there it's a destination I expect to never reach there's still a nervousness there's still something about thinking about what God has called us to do and what a privilege that is and how insignificant and insufficient we feel I know I do feelings of inadequacy about this task that is mine are constant companions. And it's only by the grace of God and it's only by the assistance of a gracious master that I am able in any way to share the good news of what Jesus has done for me and of what he can do for you and for so many others. Only by the grace of God. Without that spirit, without that presence, I'd never be able to share the good news. I just couldn't do it. I have to have that to proclaim the grace of an awesome Savior. I'll tell you a story that I remember from the church I served in Millersville, Georgia. The guy down the street had become a member of our church, and he was getting up in age, and his health was beginning to fail him. I remember being in their house one day, and he was complaining about all the money they were having to spend on his medical care. And he told his wife, he said, but honey, that's money we were saving for a rainy day. And she said, hush, it's pouring. We've got to, we've got to take care of this. It's a hard time. And I do remember at his funeral service, which was at, I think, an assembly of God or a church of God in Macon, Georgia. And the family had asked me to, to be a part of that. And after that service was over, his daughter, who was a part of one of, of the church there, came up to me and she told me, she said, thank you so much for what you did today. I thought for a minute there you were going to get the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, goodness, I don't know why I can't forget that, but I wanted to tell her, and you don't ever think of these things when it happens, I wanted to tell her if it weren't for the power of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have been here at all. I couldn't do what God has asked me and called me to do without the power of the Spirit. Don't say you almost got the Spirit. How? How does anyone share this good news of Jesus Christ, clergy or laypersons or anyone else, without the power of God's Holy Spirit? There is another book, and and you may be familiar with one of these authors, Eddie Fox and George Morris. They were two United Methodist evangelists, and I don't know where they are right now. I know they're up in years. But they have written a book called Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. And in that book, they talk about how God's assistance is required if our faith is ever to be shared with with anyone else. And they say, they remind us that Paul makes clear that the primary basis of our encouragement is from God. Since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, Paul said, then we do not lose heart. And it's easy to lose heart. We look around us and we wonder who's listening and who's paying attention. And some days we wonder if we're making a difference. God believes in us, has given us the power to do this ministry. Scripture makes it clear that God believes in us and holds high expectations of us. Because of God's grace, we are not, we are no longer nobody's 
We're somebodies. And we are not orphaned somewhere out there in an impersonal universe. But we are God's own people, constituted to do God's will in God's way. We're living at a time, and it goes, it shouldn't even say it because it's so obvious, a time of great challenge. The virus that is all around us, the hurt and the lives of so many people who are speaking out right now and then standing up and others who are wondering what to say and what to do and how can I help without hurting? And we look at the world and people are hurting and they're lonely and they are imprisoned and enslaved by attitudes and by forces that are beyond them and it's not a time for us to hold back. It's a time for us to be propelled to to speak this good news, to be reminded of how God loves all of us. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and struggling forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we remember who we are and whose we are, Those who believe in us, we take courage. And we're motivated to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We need each other in this task. And that's what they said in the book. That's what George Morris and Eddie Fox were saying. Like Nehemiah, we can't come down from the wall. The gospel lures us forward, calls us forward. Everlasting hope. The Holy Spirit empowering us to be witnesses. Jesus was speaking to the twelve one day. And he had some words to say that I read and that I always need to hear. I think we all do. He said, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. My gracious master And my God, assist me to proclaim. Please help me. Don't call me. Don't call us to do something and then withhold the power and the strength we need to get it done. It's not all up to us. Let me try to wrap up with this story. It's one of those keeper stories that I heard years ago. You've probably heard some version of it. About a guy driving out in the country and not paying much attention out in the county, and his car slid off the road and slid down into the ditch. And he wondered what he was going to do. He couldn't get out. So he looked down the road, and he saw a farmhouse, and he walked down there, knocked on the door, and the old farmer came to the door. He said, Sir, can you please help me? Can I borrow your tractor? I need to pull my car out of the ditch. Old farmer said, Ain't got no tractor, but I do have a mule, Old Blue, and I think Old Blue maybe can get that car out of the ditch. And guy just kind of shook his head. He said, it's a big car. I'm not sure one mule can do it. The farmer said, well, let's see what we can do. So he got old Blue down there and he got Blue hooked up to that car. And he said, pull, Blue. And the car did not budge, not an inch. And so he yelled again and he said, pull, Elmer. And the car budged just a little bit. And then a moment later, the old farmer said, pull, Biscuit. And the car came up, pulled out of the ditch. And the guy was so grateful, and he was thanking the farmer over and over again. He said, but I do have a question. You called that mule by three different names. And I don't see but one mule. What's going on? 
And the old farmer said, well, you need to know that my old mule blue is blind. And if he thought for just a minute that he had to pull that thing out of that ditch by himself, he couldn't do it. My gracious master and my God, assist me to proclaim, can't do it in our own strength. Don't frustrate ourselves trying. But by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the encouragement we receive from one another, we can get the car out of the ditch. We can share the good news of Jesus the Christ. Amen.